Welcome to House Call with Dr. Mac, where you get a real doc with straight talk for the whole you. It's here in the House Call community where we have created an inviting space for you to hear individuals' health stories, gain healthcare providers and other experts' perspectives. It is our mission that with the knowledge you gain, you will be able to connect your own health dots, see a complete picture of yourself, and begin to experience whole person care. So let's sit down. Let's get started. Let's have some conversations. Let's connect these dots. Let's get some straight talk. Welcome back, House Call community. We are here to have another one of our conversations where we help you connect your health dots. If you are joining us for the first time, welcome to the House Call community. However you found us on whatever platforms that you're consuming your podcast shows, we are excited that you have allowed us to come and make a house call with you. As you have heard in the introduction, this is a space that we have created where individuals come in and tell their stories, their health stories. And we have healthcare providers and other experts come in and give their perspectives. We believe that through the power of storytelling that you can then be able to connect your own health dots, see a complete picture of yourself and begin to experience whole person care. So today we have in the community someone that I've been wanting to have a conversation with about the topic we're going to talk about today for a little while now. I have... (laughs) Finally, have in the community via phone all the way from Atlanta, Georgia, Miss Angela Miles. Welcome, Angela, to the House Call community. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be in the House Call community finally. (laughs) I tell you, it's been a little bit of a journey, but you know what? We always say everything in its time, and I believe this is the perfect time for you to be in the House Call community. So thank you for carving out this time out of your very busy schedule to come in and sit down with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. So today our conversation is going to center around one of your areas of expertise, which is speech pathology, as it relates to mainly stroke victims. And the reason that we're going to explore this particular conversation and this aspect of it is because we had a nurse to come into our community a little while ago, and we talked about cardiovascular disease and specifically strokes. And at that point, we started talking about the team that would take care of a patient and the adjunct therapies that are available. And it brought to my mind to have you come in and talk from your area of expertise, which is speech pathology, because of two reasons. One, um, you know, stroke has affected my family and you actually helped when we had that initial diagnosis with my father in terms of helping me to understand short term expectations and even long term expectations. Um, and you didn't even you weren't even evaluating him as a patient. You were just, you know, lending me your ear and I was able to give you some insight and information. And you gave me some very valuable information. And then um, I had a recent conversation with um a manager at the at the clinic that I'm at now and we were just talking about a client and we were talking about, um, unfortunately, this person had had a stroke and she was saying, yeah, now, you know, she's having to have um, 
speech pathology, you know, kind of like, <laughs> why? <Yeah. laughs> you know? and right, right. Exactly. And it was like, yeah, and she's because the swallowing, I guess. And, and, I, and that's when it kind of all collided for me. And I said, oh, my goodness, this is one of those dinner table conversations that we need to have because the dots are not connecting for people. And so uh-huh. I want you to come in and tell us, uh, you know, from your expertise, speech pathology. First of all, what is speech pathology? I mean, I don't think anybody has a clear picture of speech pathology. Can you can you give us a little bit of insight? I, I can. Um, it's definitely a broad area mm-hmm. uh, speech language pathology. Um in a nutshell, is the study and treatment of human communication and its disorders. Um, But we really work, if you want to get more specific, in in preventing, evaluating, and treating those disorders that consist of um, areas of speech, language, swallowing in all ages from infancy to elderly. Um, But throughout that whole continuum, the goal is function. Okay. Wow. That's great information to know because I think sometimes people think a speech pathologist, if somebody just has a speech impediment, um, Uh you know, I think that's kind of the limited area that they box you into as, as an area of expertise, like, oh, well, they can only help them if they have a speech impediment. But as you've uh-huh. given us this paintbrush, you are beginning to paint this broader picture of your area of expertise and what how you can give to somebody's life and overall enhance their their quality of life. So right. as um, someone, as I said, we're going to steer this conversation towards, you know, you as a healthcare provider and professional in terms of rehabilitating in a stroke victim or patient. So how does someone come to your attention after they've had a stroke? Can you give us some insight into that process? Sure. Um, So we know that stroke can be very debilitating and affect things like uh, physical things like balance and um, being able to care for yourself. But it also can affect each memory, cognition, vision, and swallowing. And those are all areas that we used to communicate. So when a patient comes to the hospital and is identified as a stroke patient, there's usually a pathway or there's often a pathway that a hospital might have, which basically means that this is a diagnosis. All of these particular services should be consulted. And we would go and evaluate the patient and identify whether they have a need for our service or not. Okay. Okay. And so you're saying that when they come in, you know, I'm just kind of reiterating for people to understand because, you know, you and I are in the healthcare field. So some of these terms are, you know, kind of second nature to us. This is our second language that we speak. Uh But when Uh someone comes in, they are then, like you said, it's almost like a flow chart for some people to understand. Uh It's like, okay, if you're in this leg of the arm, then you go down this way. And, you know, these are the people that will be part of your healthcare team. So, someone's been identified and now they come to your attention, you know, can you give us an example, maybe think of a case or two or, or just a, a generalized example of now they're in that pathway, you know, someone says they are now needing all of these services and these are the people, this is the team that takes care of them and you're part of that team. They need speech path. What happens from that point? 
So in our office, we'll get a little note that lets us know that we should go see a patient in a particular room. Mm-hmm. And um, when we go down to that patient's room, we'll often find that either they have no idea of us or they can't wait to see us. So okay. those who have no idea who we are will say speech therapy, like you said, um, why do I need speech therapy? I speak fine. Mm-hmm, and then, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes there's someone in the room like, we're trying to shut her up, you know. <laughs> right, um, right. But then I get to explain what we do. But other times a patient will uh, be told that you're not able to eat yet. We're not sure that you're safe. And so we need to wait for the speech therapist to come. Um, we're called speech therapist or speech language pathologist or SLPs. Uh, okay, <laughs> so okay. All so- of those terms are same person. Um, and so when we get into the room, we will do a test. We call it a bedside swallow exam where we will ask you to eat a few things that represent different textures of food. Some will be mm. those that you could just slide down like applesauce and some that you need to use a little bit more strength like um, a cookie or a graham cracker. Mm. Um, and based on how you perform, we would recommend a particular texture. We work with the dietitian. The dietitian determines your nutrition needs, but the speech pathologist determines under what texture you can tolerate it. Ah, okay. So um, if so- someone can't keep, I guess, water, you know, so if, if some say a stroke of them, because we, we've talked about with the nurse that there was an acronym called FAST. So there was mm-hmm. the facial drooping asymmetry of like a limb, the arms in particular, if they look asymmetrical, like one is not having the same strength. And the other one was the S was the speech. Um, if they look like they're maybe, you know, drooling or slurred speech, maybe even, um, is, is that part of what you're talking about when you do that bedside type of evaluation? Is it and when you talked about the different textures, um, is it that the weight of the food they're able to, I guess it's, it's able to go down differently? I, help me understand that a little bit more. <laughs> Sure, no problem. So even before we come, a lot of hospitals will do what's called a water test, a three ounce of water test, where the patient is given three ounces of water and they are expected to drink it continuously without stopping. Okay. And it's, which is not that much water when you think about it, but if you have what's called dysphagia, difficulty swallowing, it will show up. So it could show up with uh, the water simply drooling out the, or leaking out the side of your mouth. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It could be that you're coughing. It mm-hmm. could be um, mm-hmm. that you are not able to drink it all at once. You're not able to really manage it. Um, and so that could also trigger a consult to see us. Um, and then once we go in there, even though we're coming in for maybe just swallowing, because that's the most overt deficit that the patient might have. We do look at other areas. So we also look at how well you're able to understand. So I might ask you to do something and you're not able to follow the directions that well, or maybe you're not able to express yourself. I'm asking you questions and you're not able to get the right words out or put your thoughts together. Or it seems to be taking quite some time to get your thoughts together. That's what's called aphasia. Mm-hmm. And it could be an expressive, how well you're able to communicate verbally or how well you're able to understand um, and then it could also be that your words are coming out just fine, but they're really slurred. You almost sound like you're drunk. And that's mm-hmm. called dysarthria. And usually that's due to some type of a weakness in the subsystems of speech, whether it be your breathing, how well your articulators come together to make the speech clear, um, and things like that. 
And then also, if you can't order up the sounds correctly, so you're trying to say water and it's modder, cotter, solder, you know, uh-huh. it's just a, a, you know, a jumble there each time you try it. And that's called apraxia. So we're also looking at some of those signs when we go in for that bedside. But of course, the first thing in acute care is to stabilize you. And, and that includes your nutrition um, and also your ability to take medication because a lot of medications are oral. That's right. So that's right. We need to know firsthand, what can you do swallowing-wise? And once that's stable, then we can get into some of the communication needs that may be um, changed after a stroke. That was a great wealth of information just um, that you just gave us there. And, <laughs> and I want to be able to kind of break some of that down because you said something about the speech. And again, mm-hmm. I'm going back to that acronym FAST because people can remember that and it can give people little nuggets that they can hold on to to be able to help, you know, someone that they are with, a loved one, a friend. You talked about slurred speech. You talked about mm-hmm. not even um, the the phrasing may not even make sense. So mm-hmm. those are things that people can look at, too, that may also be a presentation of a stroke. Because we talked about, you know, facial drooping or slurred speech or sounding like they're drunk. But maybe what they're saying just doesn't even make sense. So that's mm-hmm. another speech presentation of a possible stroke. And that was very, um, very good information that, you know, you just said that kind of registered for me. Um, it, I think that's may have been the pre- one of the presenting signs of when my father had his stroke I remember my mom saying that he was getting up off the couch because they were ready to go to bed and he was trying to say something and she thought he was being funny and she said stop playing I can't understand what you're saying and he went to say it again and that's when she realized oh my goodness something's wrong so it could come across as them trying to be funny or weird because it's not making sense so that was something Mm -hmm. very good that you I'm glad that you you brought out that point so now you're part of so there's an acute care phase it seems and then isn't there like now, um, how about after they're out of the acute care phase, now they're out of the hospital, is there an outpatient part that you then follow up with them or how does that work too? Okay, so um, most hospitals have a speech pathologist um, on site that will make recommendations. The whole rehab team will make recommendations about what's next. After we've stabilized you, what else do you need to function? Mm-hmm. And so it could be that it could be uh, involved enough that you need a long-term acute setting where they're, you know, just as intense with the medical care, but it's long-term. Okay. Um or it could be that it's in a subacute or an inpatient rehab facility. And those facilities, typically, there's all of the all of the disciplines are represented. You get therapy just about every day. Inpatient, I'm pretty sure it's seven days a week, whereas uh, skilled nursing, it could be seven, but it's frequently five. Okay. And... Um, you get chosen for, well, they recommend either of those facilities based on what your tolerance is and um, what the prognosis is. Mm-hmm. So everyone heals differently. Okay. Um, some people, there has spontaneous recovery in those first few weeks, and some people, it takes a little bit longer. Um, so depending on whether or not you have other comorbidities, other things that are holding you back, mm-hmm. um, maybe you have had a stroke before, so you're having um, 
compiled yeah. effect yeah. of weakness and things like that. So the recommendations based on how you present, and we don't follow them to the next facility. Another therapist will pick them up, okay. and the documentation is sent over so that they can start the evaluation process there. Okay, uh, glad you made that point. So people need to understand that it may not be the same person or the same team, but they're getting the same type of of therapy. So they will have a new, possibly new speech pathology team that will then follow the documentations and the recommendations and then pick up from there. Now, should somebody feel that they, um, you know, once they go through therapy, that they should be back to, you know, their pre-event life, so to speak? Well, it depends. So once you go to a rehab facility, well, let me just make this clarification. There are people who go from acute care to home and okay. they just go as go back and forth as an outpatient or they don't need any more therapy because not everyone has, you know, catastrophic results after mm-hmm, a stroke. Mm-hmm, okay. If you are someone who goes to a rehab, they will evaluate you again with a different lens. Okay. Um, We'll have the same skills, but we'll do a different type of evaluation. The evaluation in a a rehab facility is about function. Uh The evaluation in an acute care facility is about stabilizing. Okay. Okay. Thank you for that clarity. um, Uh mm -hmm. So in the rehab facility, we're looking more about, we're going to ask more questions of the patient and or family about what was life like before the stroke so that we can understand what the goal is and um, also understand whether or not uh, we need to make adjustments in the goal. So the goal is function. You know, if you used to be able to walk 50 feet, we want you to be able to walk 50 feet. It may be that you need to now do it with the cane. The same thing is true for communication and swallowing. If Mm -hmm. you like to communicate with your friends, we want you to be able to communicate with your friends. It might mean that you need um, to slow down or it might mean that you need to have less friends in the room so that you can understand what's being said, you know, Mm -hmm. without all the background noise. So there may be some changes. Um, And in that process, I think one of the things that I try to help people understand is that you're Working with people who are grieving, um, they have lost something that was very automatic for them. Eating is very automatic for most of us. We don't even look at what we put yeah, in our mouths. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Maybe communication is too. We pop off at our mouths. We don't yeah. think about like, let me, you know, unless you're in a very professional setting, it's rare that you're really trying to figure out, now, how am I going to say this word? That's right. You know? That's right. Yes. So, yeah, you need to have that as part of your practice as well. Wow. So we know each other outside of this podcast. You know, we we do have another type of friend relationship. And as we were catching up the other day, you were letting me know that your your life journey has now taken you to another step in your speech pathology life. And now you Mm -hmm. are teaching the new and upcoming speech pathologist. How is that? (laughs) Well, it's exciting on most days. Some <laughs> days it's trying. <laughs> um, I think whenever you your work takes you to work with people, you you always are experiencing something new. Yeah. Um, there's some there's some familiarity, but there's something new. So my job really is teaching people how to work with people, um, and so I, I really enjoy it. But I also find it challenging. I deal with I would say the average 
graduate student is about 24. Okay. Um, so they're relatively young, <laughs> <laughs> um, but in their head, super grown. And so mm-hmm. they have a lot of ideas about what their job looks like and what they should and shouldn't be doing and, mm-hmm. and how much feedback they do or do not need. Ah. Um, <laughs> and so that's, that's a challenge because, you know, uh, adult learners have needs and they have a style of learning and that's a little bit different with each generation. I get a lot of students that just want to check the boxes. You know, Mm -hmm. I did it. I should get, I'm ready to practice. Yeah. I hear this all the time. So they, they have about three semesters that they're in the clinic practicing under heavy supervision. And then their last two semesters, they're on externships, full externships. Okay. And by the second semester, many of the students will say at some point in the semester, but I'm a second semester clinician. I feel like you're, you know, (laughs) thinking that I don't know what I'm doing. And it's funny because it's like in two semesters, you know what you're doing, bless your heart. (laughs) Not quite, you know. Um, Exactly. And in the clinic, you have a false sense of reality because the clients are stable. So you do feel very confident. Um, But then when you turn them out to the medical setting, they're very nervous all again. And then they're willing to hear as Mm -hmm. much information and feedback as possible. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. But I really enjoy it. I love that I'm shaping the next generation. Wow. Of speech pathologists. And so do you feel that um, this generation or this this new this new um, wave of speech pathologists are coming to you with a little bit more insight into what a speech pathologist does than when you may have even joined the field? Oh, absolutely. Um, Our accrediting body, American Speech and Hearing Association, has expanded our practice even since when I was in school. Um, We one of it is, you know, the advances in healthcare. So you have children coming through that are more complex. You're able to save patients. Um, when I was working in a hospital in Washington, D.C., our average patient was in the 80s. You know, wow. it's much, much different than when we were in school. Yeah, yeah. Um, the capacity of what we can do to prolong life. Wow, that that is a, that is great. That is great. So, if someone listening and I and I asked this of my nurse that came to join us too because both of you are you know, fairly, you know, young people that are are helping to give information to people that may be looking to make decisions as to what they want to do in terms of helping or lifelong vocations. Um, what would they what would be their typical course, I guess, in in speech pathology? Can you give us some insight into what it takes to get to be a speech pathologist? Well, I would start early. Um, One of the cool things about career day is to actually shadow a number of people so that you can be exposed. I find that a lot of the students who are applying to the program, they're saying things that, like, I've known I wanted to be a speech pathologist since I was in the fifth grade, which I find hilarious because I didn't know until it was, like, maybe a semester out from graduation. (laughs) Like, oh, maybe I'll do this. Right, right, Um, right. Right. So the first thing is to um, shadow people who are doing it in multiple settings, not just schools, not just Mm -hmm. hospitals, but there's also private clinics. There's nonprofits. You know, we show up in a lot of different places. And um, so get the exposure and then get your bachelor's in speech pathology. However, 
You do not have to have a bachelor's in speech pathology. I didn't have one. Um, But you do need to take some classes with the emphasis on communication um, sciences. Mm -hmm. Some schools offer a master's degree and not the bachelor's, but they might have some courses that would closely align with the requirements that you would need to apply for a master's degree. Okay. Currently, we only practice the entry level of the profession is a master's degree. So you do have to go to a school that has an accredited program and um, get a master's degree. There are programs that offer an associate's in speech pathology or SLPA, an assistance um, degree. And that just basically means that you can help out speech pathologists. Okay. Um, But you should not be doing any assessments or anything invasive without the speech pathologist watching. And different states have different licensure options for that. But Mm -hmm. it's not the same. (laughs) Yes, yes. I hear you. I hear you. Well, that is Uh excellent information. And, you know, I'm looking at our time and, you know, we could go off into so many different areas about what you do and how speech pathology helps in different areas of life. But I'm looking at our time and we have to wrap this conversation up. And before we leave, I would love for you to give our community a tip of the day. It can be on the topic we're talking about or anything that is on your heart. And if you would give us a tip of the day, we would be honored. Well, I think the tip of the day is something that I tell my grad students all the time, which is you're you're a person helping another person. And it's important to recognize that the connection is communication, which happens to be my specialty. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if you are a person who has a communication uh, disorder or a caregiver, ask questions. Um, And don't be afraid to ask questions like, what is your experience with working with this disorder? What are the things that I need to do? Um, And if you're an actual practitioner or want to be, get in the habit of being comfortable talking to others. Wow, I like that. That was excellent. Excellent. Angela, thank you so much once again for taking time out of your busy schedule to sit down in the house call community. Community, I know that this is another one of those conversations. You're going to go back, pick up your journals, pick up those notebooks, be them old fashioned pen and paper or electronic, grab these nuggets out and be able to start connecting those health dots. And until next time, we'll see you back here. Bye now. 